Welcome to New at Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at numa.church. Why don't you go with me to Hebrews chapter 11? And uh, we're going to read the first three verses and we're going to look at verse 6. So good to see you today. If you're new to Numa, welcome. Uh, My family and I, we've been on holidays, as many of our team have been. I know some of you have. It's great to be back. We've had already an amazing 9 a.m. service. Uh, I think um, Upper Room Prayer kicks back in this week. Uh, So um, that's going to be exciting. Um, So check out um, social media with all the details. But over the next few weeks, everything's going to start to launch back in. And uh, we're excited about all that God has for us this year. And uh, the Lord was really clear to me late last year that we're to begin focusing on talking about faith uh, because there are going to be things that you navigate, I navigate, we navigate this year that will not uh, happen any other way than by faith. Four times in the Bible, the Bible says the righteous live by faith. We're not righteous by our own deeds. We're righteous by what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And we receive that by faith. We accept that by faith. We live in that by faith. And so Hebrews 11 um, is like the great faith chapter. By faith is repeated so many different times and just been reading, rereading, studying this over the break. And it says, now faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith or by it, the people of old, the heroes of faith, the great cloud of witnesses, received their commendation. As what? As being righteous. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I'm going to go to verse 4, just follow with me. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Just a little side note, this is for free. Just because you live by faith doesn't mean everything works out, as Abel discovered. But his offering was accepted. Often we're taught if we live by faith, it'll all work out. Now, sometimes tragic things happen, but we're still called to live by faith, right? By faith... Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So in other words, God said, I like something in Enoch so much, he doesn't have to stay on earth anymore. I want him for me. This is what happened. And then verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I want to speak to you today on this idea, stop chasing your tail. Stop chasing your tail. Now, growing up, I had a cousin who had a uh, dog, pet dog, Jack Russell Terrier. Such a lovely first two names, Jack Russell, then Terrier, it just goes bad, right? And his dog's name was Basil, right? Basil Faulty from Faulty Tail, Basil. And Basil had a few issues. Basil was carrying a few passengers, as we would say, if someone's demonised. Basil was a psychotic dog. And the reason that Basil, even though he was so small, small dog syndrome, even though he he was so small and that he was so psychotic is because when he was a puppy, he was bitten by a snake. Now, it would have done the world a service if Basil had gone to be with Jesus. True story. But Basil decided to stay alive. He's got a bit of pluck in him. So Basil lives his life terrorising, living up to his name, terrorising the entire extended family. So much so that whenever the family would know that they were going to the cousin's house in Bendigo for Christmas or a birthday, the spirit of fear would get on us because we knew we're going to go meet Basil. Not the family, not the cousins, Basil. Because Basil had that kind of impact. You know that person that has an impact on 
atmosphere influences in a negative way and you're like, Basil. And so that's what we knew. We're going to Bendigo to meet Basil. And so we'd get to the house and you go into the living room. The living room had these big floor-to-ceiling windows uh, and Basil would be there with his teeth bared, his, his gums showing, his lips sort of like that. And, and he would run headfirst at the window and try and barrel through the window, often cracking the window, trying to get into you. Just repeated headbutts, right? Like this dog is possessed. Like Jesus needs to come and deliver this thing, right? And so uh, if you were game enough after two hours to go out with uh, my cousin who promised us that nothing would happen. I don't know why we believed it. Was it just like anaesthetizing us for the two hours and then I would go out and I remember one time putting my foot on the fence and Basil bit into it, drew blood. That's the last time I went out in the backyard. But out of all the things that this crazy dog would do that had us all just confused was he would furiously chase his tail and when he finally caught his tail and bit it, he would get even more enraged thinking his tail was attacking him. This dog needed healing rooms. Jesus, the vet, and your prayers. Needed everything, right? And I began to think about Basil and how crazy it is that Basil was just chasing his tail. And I thought, you know what? A lot of Christians are like Basil in more ways than one. But a lot of us are like that silly dog that we are chasing things that Jesus Christ, through the covenant of his blood on the cross, has already given to us. And we spend our life with discontentment, constantly trying to seek after something that Jesus says, hang on a sec, I've already given it to you. Imagine if I was to give you my Bible, my most precious possession. It has words and dates and highlights, encounters, moments that I've had with God, where God has spoken and God has done things. And I gave it to you. And an hour after giving it to you, you came to me and you said, begging, pleading, tears in your eyes, can you please give me your Bible? I just want your Bible. I'll even offer money for your Bible. I'm like, what are you talking about? I freely gave it to you an hour ago. Why are you asking me for something that you already have in your possession? And yet a lot of us live our life in this revolving door, asking God to give us things that through his covenant, he's already given to you. Ephesians is one of the letters or books that illustrates this so beautifully. It goes over again, particularly in chapter one, about what God has already given to those who believe in him. In Ephesians 1 verse three, it says, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Notice it didn't say God will bless you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but God has. He's already given it to you. Every blessing that is available under the new covenant, provision, salvation, forgiveness, healing, direction, Clarity. He's already given it to you. Now, it may not be manifest in your life, but He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He can't love you anymore. He can't bless you anymore. He's already given that to you, but it's about learning how do we access that. Now, the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things. Everybody say all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. So if God's blessing in spiritual, in heavenly places, every spiritual blessing made available by the covenant has already been given to us, if his divine power and nature has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, why are they not manifesting more in our lives? Why do many of us spend our life in the revolving door, just going around in circles? And if there is anything that I know that is on God's heart for you this year, He doesn't want you in 2024 to stay in the revolving door. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to know that His blessings are already yours, but that you, you and I need to understand 
something essential and important if they are going to manifest in our lives. Why is it that God's blessings, his purposes, his covenant with us is not more manifest in the natural realm? It's because many of us are not renewed in our minds around this relationship between God's grace and our faith response. God's grace is all sufficient. God's word says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you feel weak right now in your life, you're a candidate for the fullness of God's strength. If you feel like there's lack in your life right now, you're a perfect recipient of the fullness of God's grace at work in your life, okay? It's how you respond to what you are now aware of that determines whether those things manifest in your life. You've got to understand the fullness and sufficiency of God's grace, what he's done for you through the cross and the empty tomb, the blood of Jesus, but also the willful response of faith to the working of his grace in your life. Ephesians 2.8 says this, we're saved by grace through faith. So you're not saved by grace alone apart from your faith and you're not saved by faith alone, but it's this relationship. It's this partnership. God takes the initiative while we were still sinners, Christ died for us without, uh, the doctrine of revelation tells us, without God revealing himself and taking the initiative, you and I have no hope. But because God's taken the initiative and his grace is all sufficient, he also by his grace extends to us the gift of faith to accept and receive that which he has made available to us. So if grace is like an ocean or rivers of living water Jesus talked about, if you're thirsty, come and drink from these rivers of living water, you'll never thirst again. If grace is like an ocean, how many know there's no lack of water in the ocean? Some of you have holidayed by the beach and I love the beach, I love the ocean, I love swimming pools, I love water, something calming about water. Some of you hung out by the Yarra, maybe not. But, but um, if you hang around the ocean, you realise there's no lack. I mean, what is it? 70% of the uh, Earth's surface is made up of water. There's no lack of water. The issue is whether you can access that or not in your home, in your life, etc. There needs to be a pipeline. If grace is like water, faith is like the pipeline. It's more than enough grace. There's more than enough ocean. There's more than enough rivers of living water. If, you're not, if it's not manifesting in your life, it could be to do with this issue of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You might be praying 10 hours a day, but if you're not praying in faith, you're not gonna see your reward. You might be giving all of your money away, but if you don't have love behind the giving and you don't have faith, you're not gonna see a return on anything that you're sacrificing and that you're giving. Paul said, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. So we've got to understand the interrelationship, the synergy, the dynamic of faith and grace. Many of us approach God on need alone and get frustrated at God. God, why aren't you meeting my need? It's not that God doesn't care. It's not that God doesn't love you. He loves you. He's done everything necessary for you to receive of that love. He has given his one and only son. The issue is not need, the issue is faith. And so you look at someone and God's blessing them and using them and how is that? And they've got this issue and this character attitude and this trait and and we're lamenting and getting all upset. Yet God's blessing them and using, what's that about? It's not about their righteousness. It's not about their perfection. It's about their faith. And and where God finds someone, it's not an excuse for poor behaviour, but where God finds someone full of faith, it's amazing how he'll respond to that person, even in the midst of all sorts of challenges and difficulties in their life. Why? Because God knows you, he knows me, he knows none of us are perfectly righteous apart from the sacrifice of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. What he's looking for, what he responds to is the spirit of faith that is inside of us. And Hebrews is such an important letter 
It's written to believers that are under persecution. Their faith is under pressure. Their faith is under fire. I believe it's a relevant passage of Scripture for our generation because Jesus said when the Son of Man returns, He was prophesying, will He find faith on the earth, implying that people of faith, the spirit of faith will be a rare commodity. If there is anything that we are to be this year, let us be people of faith. Let us live by faith. Let us contend in faith. Let us step out in faith. Let us believe, uh, let, let God be proved true and every man a liar. At the end of the day, it's got to come back to what has God said and what do you believe about what God says will determine the fruitfulness of your life in 2024. So what is faith? Well, faith is assurance and conviction in something hoped for that you cannot see in the natural realm. The King James talks about it as the substance and the evidence. The ESV talks about it as the assurance and conviction. Many people who attend church don't even have assurance of their salvation. And so they're caught in this perpetual sort of rat race religious cycle of trying to earn God's pleasure. And you can even have attended church a whole life, heard the gospel many times, and yet still be bound by a performance mindset. Many people are, and they think that they've got to perform their way into the pleasure of God. What pleases the heart of God is a heart of faith. What God responds to is faith. And so assurance is this inner knowing, you can't fully articulate it, you can't even fully understand it, but you know in your knower, you're convicted, you're convinced, and that manifests as a positive declaration out of your mouth, that what you are believing for, even though you can't see it, is going to manifest. Conviction is, I, I, I can't touch it, I can't see it in the material realm, but it's been birthed there by the Spirit and by the Word of God. And I have assurance, I have substance, I have conviction, I have evidence in my spirit because of what the Spirit of God has birthed in my heart by the Word, that even though I can't see it, what is immaterial will become visible. Faith needs a thing to work with. That's why it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if there's no thing, if there's no focus, if there's no goal, if there's no object, right, faith is dormant. But where there's a vision, where there's a focus, where there's a goal, where there's a thing, faith is activated. The greatest object of our faith is not an object, it's a person. That's why Hebrews 12 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the author and perfecter of our faith. So if if you want your faith to be perfected, go back to the author of it. Faith can't mature or be perfected where it's disconnected from the author. Well, I feel good about that. That encourages me. Because if... You can go back to the original root word or you can go back to the source of what started this journey of faith and keep your eyes on Him. Your faith will be perfected. Your faith has a future. Your faith will arrive at something. So faith to be activated in your life needs a focus and our greatest focus is the person of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. So for your faith to be activated in 2024, it must be partnered with declaration. Confession. With the heart one believes, with the mouth one confesses. The gift of eternal life being given to you, the gift of salvation, is a byproduct of the heart believing and the mouth confessing. So if you can believe God unto your salvation and eternity, why can't you believe Him for every blessing of provision? 
that you need in your life? Why can't you believe Him for your healing? Why can't you believe Him for that call to be fulfilled in your life? Why can't you believe that that Word that has been given to you for this year will manifest itself and become a reality even though right now it's in an invisible supernatural realm? Every word that God gives you contains within it the ability and the seed to produce that that God has declared will happen. The word can make something out of nothing. The issue is, will it find a heart of faith to rest in and be planted in? This is what the parable of the sower is all about. The seed can only produce fruit if it's planted in good soil. What's good soil? The heart of faith. The condition of your heart determines the fruit of the word that's planted in there, what it will produce. So don't get angry at the word. Don't get upset at the lack of manifestation. Say, God, rearrange the furniture of my spirit and my heart that I would believe your word. Because his word, the Bible says, will not return void. It will accomplish what he sends it out to perform. So the Word of God, the sperma of God, the seed of God contains within it everything necessary for a spiritual conception in your heart and in your life. The issue is, is there any spiritual reproduction, intercourse, so to speak? Is there any alignment? Is there any heart of faith that will meet and kiss the Word for the Word to manifest? I'm feeling encouraged. I'm living the vision in 2024 that I saw 25 years ago. When I had nothing, when I knew nothing, and I still don't know anything, uh, when, when, when it didn't look like it in the natural circumstances. Literally, I'm now living, nothing's perfect, but I'm living in one key aspect of the vision I saw. And it's not because I'm a better person than you. It's not because I'm on the platform and you're not. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the heart response of faith. And I saw something and I heard something. I remember when I was transitioning from leading our church plant, God spoke to me at Lilydale Lake. This is your last year. Hand the church over. And over that year, transitioned the church and then went, began itinerant. We had... About three months, the first three months, booked out the calendar for the new year and nothing else after that. And I had all these people telling me, got to go to that conference, shake hands, get to know people, send out websites, da, 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 da. The Lord said, no, pray and believe my word. And so we stepped back and we did that. And by, the Lord said to me, go to the calendar, lay hands on it, all the all that was vacant, and declare and prophesy my word. If you'll speak what God is saying to you in faith, what God is saying to you will manifest in your natural realm. If you can't hear what God's saying to you, what are you gonna prophesy? What are you gonna speak into existence? And so we prophesied over that and it didn't take three months. Within three weeks, the entire year was booked out. I had invitations, phone calls, emails. How is this happening? It's called faith. And then by October, November of that year, of every year after that, for six years, the entire rest of the year was filled up. And, and so we saw this gradual journey. What was happening? God revealed something through intimacy. And my heart, even though I doubted and I struggled, rose up and believed and lay hold of that which God had revealed. And then you've got to persevere. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. And the million dollar question is, when's due season? Here's the answer. Due season is when your season is due. <laughs> it's tight, but it's right. How many, we all want due season today. That's not how it works. So you don't grow weary in doing good with the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I believe I've heard you've revealed it. 
I'm going to delight myself in you. I'm going to offer up a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to contend for it. I'm going to wage war over the prophecies previously made about me. I'm going to dust them off, take them off the shelf. The Bible doesn't say put it on the shelf. The Bible says wage war over it. The Bible says declare, pray, confess. And then you wake up one day and like, voila, how did we get here? Faith partnered with what God revealed. Faith will materialise what's invisible into the visible realm as you line up your mind, your heart, your spirit, your actions, your body with the Word. You know, align with it. People come to me all the time and say, God's called me to be a preacher. God's called me to do this. God's called me to do that. I say, well, what are you doing about that? You've got to get on the track of that purpose. Like if God's called you to be a preacher, then you probably need to sign up the School of the Spirit. Yeah. Or you need to start actually reading your Bible. <laughs> and start to get message. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's like, Henry Snow, you, you, you want to do well in business. Well, it, it, read a book about business. Sit down with a successful business person, take them out for a coffee. You pay for the coffee, by the way. Because yeah. they know something you don't. So bless them, look after them, sow into them, invest into them. And guess what? You're on a track. You've begun. You don't just go from point A to point Z. And it's never in a linear line. It's zigzag. Because God works in mysterious ways. It's like someone's got a dream. They want to be a doctor. They want to help people. They want to be, go on missions and help people, whatever. Well, at some point, you've got to crack open the anatomy book and you've got to begin to learn. And you're not going to remember everything, but you've got to begin. And, and I really believe the Lord does not want you, doesn't want me, doesn't want us stuck in a revolving door in 2024. He wants us to understand how to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We deal in the currency of the unseen realm. If you're only living by what you see, you are living far beneath what God intends for you. Kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, visible, earthbound things but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you don't learn to live with Jesus in the unseen places, how are you going to materialize this kingdom that you and I are a part of in the seen realm? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, How does that even happen? Well, one of the keys is by faith. So that's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 talks about we walk by faith sight, not by eyesight. So you've got to cultivate and ask the Holy Spirit to develop within you the ability to see in your spirit. And not simply just to see out of the natural. How many know if you have natural sight, natural senses, you can pick things up. There's a whole lot of things in the kingdom of God. The spirit of God, you're never going to access if you just live by what you see. 25 years ago, I saw something I'm now living in. I see something for us as a church. The journey we've been on the last five years, planting churches and training leaders and sending people out and evangelism and missions and all that. We saw something that is materializing in the visible realm. So what, is, what are you seeing in God for this coming year and the years to come? Your future reality will be determined by what you do with, by faith in what you see yeah. in the spirit or just in what you see in the natural. Is this helping anyone today? Yeah. One of the important things that will help materialise what's invisible in the visible realm is understanding that faith doesn't achieve, it receives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
faith receives, it doesn't achieve what God has already achieved for you on the cross. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. Because you don't have to, many Christians are trying to finish what Jesus finished 2,000 years ago. Trying to achieve what God's already done. And Jesus is like, oh no, I finished that 2,000 years ago. It's finished. Finito. Done. Dunskies. Over. And we're trying to achieve in our own strength. You know, when I was... We lived in a house that was in a dead zone concerning the internet. Does anyone feel my pain? And so, um, so, you know, we were told that National Broadband Network, NBN, was like this infrastructure that was designed to improve the speed of online communications. I'm yet to see the fulfillment of that prophecy. But <laughs> it's nothing more frustrating. We've become so accustomed to it. We know it. We... We depend upon it, we rely upon it, and so when it's not there, it's really frustrating. So, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. And Jesus was a master at using natural agricultural things to communicate spiritual truths. Well, there are things all around us that speak of spiritual realities. You need to understand in the kingdom of God, there is a heavenly broadband network. And it doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you give, or how often you fast. If you don't plug the cable of faith into the server of God's heavenly broadband network, you're not going to see manifest the things that you are contending for. And so you can do all the things, you can go through all the motions and be perpetually frustrated your entire life, your Christian existence, because you're not seeing it because it's not dependent upon your works. It's about your faith. And out of your faith comes complementary works that is in alignment with what you believe about what God's revealed to you. So what happens is when we don't see what we're working for is we tend to blame God's sovereignty. Have you ever done that? Well, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And if it's God's will, it'll happen. Trust the sovereignty of God. But what we fail to understand is that God's sovereignty is never going to do for you what God's spirit has commissioned your faith to do. And so there are different aspects to God's will. One aspect of God's will is the sovereignty of God. And when it comes to the sovereignty of God, your vote, my vote just doesn't count. So it doesn't matter what we sacrifice, doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what happens, it's not going to matter because God's going to do what he's going to do. And generally, the sovereignty of God at work in our lives is so far above our pay grade, you don't even need to be worried about it. Because it's weaving through the corridors of history and it doesn't matter what president is in, in, in office, what prime minister, what political party, what this, what that, the sovereignty of God is going to have the final say. So we take confidence in that. We take courage in that. We'd like the sovereignty of God to kick in a little bit quicker. Um, But the sovereignty of God is going to do in history whatever the sovereignty of God does. But then there's another aspect to the will of God, and that is your free will, your desire, your influence on the story. And this is where God invites you into his story. And he invites you to play a role. He invites you to contend, ask for things. He invites you to speak into things. He invites you to delight yourself in him and then he gives you the desire that he puts in your heart. And many of us excuse ourselves from being a part of his story and contending for the fullness of it and we blame the sovereignty of God when there's more riding on our faith or lack of than what we think. Things that have taken place in my life, in this journey and in your life, that's been good and good outcomes and blessing and et cetera, et cetera, have not just happened by chance, it had to be partnered with. God may have had a call, he had an intention, but I had a choice. And so I had to exercise my free will according to partner with his word. Yeah. 
for that word to manifest and to materialize. And so you need to understand that in God's heavenly broadband network, faith is a conductor of God's power to work in your life. Doubt is an insulator from the power of God. And so if God's blessings are not manifesting, that is all available to you, we've already established that, you need to check your receiver, the receiver of faith. Don't just think, I've got to muscle this more and I've got to achieve more. No, you need to hear from God. And you need to respond in faith to what God's saying. This is why if you can't hear from God, as one poet or author said, you are destined for a life of sure boredom or self-destruction. God's Word doesn't just get heard when you read it for information. God's Word is received by revelation. Lots of people study the Word of God as a literary work that is a masterpiece superior to every other body of literature on the planet. You can't exhaust it. You can't get to the end of it. Why? Because it's the only book that when you read it, the author shows up. So you've got to understand that Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts, so are my ways. So how many stories, if God's thoughts and God's ways are greater, higher than ours, then maybe there's some of our thoughts we've got to let go of, got to be renewed about. Some of his ways have now got to replace our ways. That process can only come is if you cultivate and develop a present tense relationship with God in what God is saying now in your life. Right now in this room, there are radio waves communicating, transmitting information, news, music, important, I don't know, bits of information. There are television signals communicating, ESPN, NBA, all sorts of things. But unless you're tuned into the frequency, you're not going to hear or see. Well, that's communicated. God's always speaking to you. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He's always on the job. He's, he's God. He's perfect. He can minister, serve, speak to any one of us at any one time, all the time. Otherwise, he ceases to be God. And so... Maybe one of the reasons why we're not understanding or the blessings are not manifesting is we're not tuned into his frequency. How do you cultivate that frequency? That's called intimacy. And as you walk with the Holy Spirit, as you talk with the Holy Spirit, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, he puts his finger on things. He speaks to you, he guides you, he adjusts you. He says, let that go, forgive that person. Do that now. Withhold that. Don't say that. Henry, so problems start when you go against what the Holy Spirit said. Why is my life so... Well, did you listen to what the Holy Spirit said? As you cultivate friendship, intimacy with a friend, the Holy Spirit wants to be closer than a brother. Closer than anybody else on the planet. And he is, because if you're a believer, he lives inside of you. Everything, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. All the spiritual blessings, all, all things that pertain to life and godliness, it's all there. Why? Because the Spirit of God's there. It's not in you apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, what are you? Dead in sin. So this isn't some new age pop psychology. It's all in you. You're the hero of your story. No, no one is good. We're all dead apart from, in sin apart from Christ. But in Christ, we're made alive together with him. And this is a work of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God that lives inside of you, as it's partnered with the Word of God in faith, begins to manifest the kingdom of God through you. And now you don't have to formulate, you know, try and muster it up to pray for someone to be healed. You just know God's a healer. You don't have to try and muscle it for God to provide. No, you need to just understand God's a provider. 
And there are things in his word that he reveals, kingdom alignment, kingdom principles that bring you into alignment with the fullness of his provision at work in your life. If you ignore those things, don't blame God. You've got to take responsibility yourself. Oh, this is, we're thinking, I can tell. Is this helping anyone today? Four people. Is this helping anyone today? I'm a words of affirmation guy. You need to encourage me. So, you say, well, what about the Apostle Paul? He said, I have fought the good fight of faith. Isn't this a, a constant battle? Ever meet a Christian that's in constant battle? Now, life, don't point any fingers or look anywhere. Life is characterized by warfare. One of the things that we need to tell new Christians when they get saved is not that life is going to be champagne and roses. Because a lot of new believers come into the kingdom, come into faith and begin to think like, I thought all my problems were going to go away. Who came into the kingdom and your problems increased? Be honest, right? What's that about? Well, now you're encountering warfare because there's an adversary and there's a, another kingdom that doesn't like the new kingdom you're in. And so now you encounter resistance. You encounter warfare. But the good fight of faith is not about fighting for Victory, it's about fighting from victory. We are seated with him in heavenly places. The idea that Pastor David shared about standing firm and having done all stand firm. Not once in Ephesians 6 do you have to go and run and fight something. He said stand. By the word of God, by the spirit of God, You've got a renewed mind. You've got the sword of the spirit. You've got essentially defensive armour. You stand firm. You're seated. You're at rest. God fights the battle. So you don't fight for your healing. You fight from a place of victory that your loved one's already healed. So what you're doing is you're contending for the manifestation. This has changed my whole world. You will get more results knowing and accessing what you already have available to you than you will fighting and tiring yourself out. So many Christians are exhausted trying to tire themselves out to get something they already have. Stop chasing your tail in 2024. I love you too much. Stop it. You already got it. You don't fight for your provision. You fight from a place of victory. I have everything I need in Christ. God, I believe that the things that I need to materialise, because the bill actually has to be paid, God. Have you ever been there? God, I know this is true, but the bill's got to be paid. So Lord, I stand in faith upon your word. What What do I need to do? What have you asked me to do? Okay, do this. Okay, step out in that. God provides. You don't need to fight for your salvation. You may need to work it out with fear and trembling, but you don't need to fight for it. Why? It's already yours. You're saved. Notice in Hebrews 11, there's no record of wrongs. And yet dirty, rotten, sinful scoundrels make up the list. You're saved. You're forgiven. You may need to repent of some things. Absolutely. Change your thinking about some stuff. But Jesus, past tense for your present sin, has already forgiven you. The gospel is unbelievably good news. That's why there's no more condemnation in Christ. Why? Because in Christ, you're forgiven, you're saved, you're redeemed, you're restored, you're made whole. Why the disconnect then? Why aren't I seeing the blessings manifest? An unrenewed mind. For lack of knowledge, my people suffer. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Oh, come on, somebody. When you know the truth, it sets you free. 
so you can live in the fullness of it. See, if you're going to fight from victory, you need to understand the difference between faith and reason. Faith understands in the spirit what reason cannot comprehend in the natural. That's why in verse 3, the Hebrew writer says, by faith we understand. Now, I praise God that he's given us a brain to use. I, I, I actually wish that I would use more percentage of my brain than what I do. Does anyone ever wish that for anyone else? And they're like, you know. <laughs> Particularly when driving the car. Um, but here's the deal. If your rational, reason, reasonable mind, which is important to make choices, decisions, etc., helps you a lot in everyday life, but if that is greater than the revelation of truth, of what God has revealed to you in your life, you're always going to struggle to live with doubt when the Holy Spirit asks you to do something that's unreasonable. Every hero of the faith, Noah, build me a boat, but there's no rain. Abraham, Sarah, you're going to conceive and be with child even though Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. Ha ha, don't laugh at me, Sarah. You're going to conceive and have a child. Mary, I know you're a virgin. I know this is a bit out there, but you're going to conceive a child from the Holy Spirit, not only a child, but the Messiah. Joshua, you're going to shout at walls, impenetrable walls, and you're going to blow trumpets and the walls are going to come down. Moses, stop complaining to me. Extend that rod of authority and command the ocean to part. We read it like it's a fairy tale. But these events really happened. And it didn't happen because someone just waved a wand. It happened because someone believed a word. And said, okay, it doesn't make sense. I mean, normally you build a siege work and attack the walls, but we're just going to march around. And we're going to shout and we're going to blow shofars and we're going to do a spirit dance and it's all going to fall down. So if you are trapped in reason and rational thinking alone, you are going to abort the unreasonable word that God wants to give you this year. And you're never going to live in the fullness of what is available in the kingdom. You're only going to be a spectator. And you're going to watch others move in miracles and do this and go, how come they? It's not that they're more righteous than you. They just believed. Be it unto you, Jesus said, according to your faith. Reason says, I'll believe it when I see it. That's the world. That's the culture. When I see it, I'll believe it. Faith says, no, I'll see it because I believe it. And because I believe it, I'm going to declare it. And I'm going to confess it. It's interesting to see the contrast in reason and faith between Zechariah and Mary. Both of them received a word, a promise from an angel. And it's like an angel to show up today just to, you know, appear in front of us and give us a word, right? Ten people. Awesome. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'd be happy with it. Um, Lord, I'm available. Um, um, Zechariah responds with reason. I'm not not sure that's going to happen. How? And God pushed the mute button on Zechariah so that he wouldn't destroy his destiny. Sometimes God has to shut and silence your voice so you don't destroy your own destiny. Comes to Mary, gives a similar word, and Mary seeks understanding by faith and says, be it unto me according to your word. And in fact, when she goes and sees her auntie, Elizabeth in Luke 1.45 says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So here's the deal. What you do 
with what God says to you right now in your life is highly critical. How you respond will either be delay or will be blessing. So the million dollar question is, what is God saying to you? Not what he God's what is he said? What is he saying to you? Because faith comes from hearing what God is saying, not from having heard what he just said. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, the rhema. There are two Greek words for word. In New Testament, it's either logos, the ink on the page, the, the letters, the, the alphabet, the, the, the words, the meanings, everything that's there on the page that you read for information. And then there's rhema, the inspired revelation of God's word. If all you do is read logos, you're just reading for information. But if you read for revelation, you're saying, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart to hear and to see your now word for my life. The Hebrew writer says, now faith is. Faith lays hold of something now. Praise God for what He did last year. Awesome, amazing. Praise God for what He did five years ago in your life. But God is moving somewhere. He's taking you somewhere. He's doing something in your life. He's wanting you to get ready for the new season, for the transition of what He has for you. What is God saying to you now? Because when God creates, He speaks it into being. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light and there was light. And so when God is getting ready to do something new in your life, He'll speak it, He'll prophesy it, He'll minister to you. What what does the Word say in Isaiah 42-9? Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And so this is why a lot of believers get stuck at one point in their journey is because they stop having a present tense relationship with God. They stop listening. They heard, but now they're not hearing. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So everything in the Bible is true, but not everything is relevant for you right now in your life. So so you need to say, God, speak a specific, relevant word into my heart. For some of you, it'll be, Psalm 37.4. Others of you will be Isaiah 42. Others of you will receive a prophecy. Others of you will see a picture or a vision. And that's what God wants you to lay hold of as you step into a new year. I'll encourage you when you read the word, I, I don't just come to read for information. I come to encounter the author. Yeah, that's right. I read for revelation. God, speak to me. What's on your heart? What's on the Father's heart for me today? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And it doesn't matter to me if the whole world says that's wrong. If God says it, I believe it. That settles it. And by the way, when God starts to speak to you about something, whilst we need good counsel and we need input and, and wise people to speak into our lives, every significant transition in my life Every step of that journey, I had people telling me, it'll never happen, you're crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And I had to lay hold of the word more than I listened to the opinions of people. Sometimes in God, the first mile, you're on your own. Then I was like, oh, that word's working. Let's go join them. Well, where were you? Back at the start. And, and so if, if you live by reason alone, if you live by the appearances of people, then you live your life trying for everyone else to validate what God revealed to you. He didn't reveal it to them. So why are you trying to convince them of what God's already convinced you? Get on with your lane. Get on with your journey. Get on with your word. Get on with what it is that God's called you to do. And watch the fruit begin to break out. And watch the blessings begin to manifest. Why? Because you've laid hold of the word by faith. I bet 
Isaac was really glad his dad Abraham didn't just hear the word, but was hearing the word. As little Isaac is there, probably big Isaac by this time, and he's strapped to the altar on the mountain, Mount Moriah, and he's about to be sacrificed. Mount Moriah sounds like Lord of the Rings or something. Mordor. And, 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 and so he, here is Isaac and he's strapped and dad's got the knife and he's about to thrust Isaac through. I, so, I bet Isaac's like, thank God my dad has a present tense relationship with the father. Because as he's about to strike his son, Abraham hears, withhold your hand, stay your hand. Don't kill your Isaac in 2024 because you stopped listening to the voice of God. Many of us are aborting, we're killing what God has given you as a promise because you've stopped listening. Okay, he said that there, what's he saying today? And his thoughts aren't your thoughts, his ways aren't your ways. So stop trying to put God in a box. This is how church works. This is how the Word works. This is how life is. Really? We serve a God that just breaks all the rules, all the boxes, all the time. So I'll take him at his word, thank you very much. And you can take your opinion and shove it because I am gonna do what God says in his word I can do. You've got to get a bit of pluck in your spirit in 2024. Because guess what? We live in a hostile world. We live in an education environment and, and, a, and a work environment that tells us you can't share your faith and you're going to have a lawsuit and you can't do this, you can't believe that, you can't really just watch us. Because at the end of the day, you don't stand before that jury or that boss or that person. You stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and only you, not your friends, not your family, only you will have to give an account for what you heard and what you obeyed. That's a bit intense, isn't it? I tell you what, every now and then you need to get a firecracker under your seat and you, you, you need a preacher that tells you the truth and doesn't just tell you what the world is saying, saying to you about how it's all supposed to work. Every one of them, Daniel, Joseph, Mary, Esther, went with the Word and not with the world. And so whatever 2024 holds for you, and none of us know the fullness of that. You know in part, you prophesy in part. And even the most specific word, you know, if Elijah was to appear here today and just give you the most specific word, it still would only know in part. Whatever 2024 holds for you, it will be determined by your response to what God is saying to you right now. And so what, what is God saying to you? For some of us, he's saying, I, I, I want you to get up every day and spend time with me. You say, well, what about the car and the house and the this and that? No, just start there. For some of you, God's saying, I want you to be generous this year. But what about the business and the dream? And just start there. Because, <laughs> sounds like an ad, over time, plan to see little things grow. <laughs> um, well, I've got no friends. Well, the Lord might be saying to you, be friendly. No, serious. People say there's... That church is unfriendly. No one says that about our church, by the way. But, you know, people can say, that church is unfriendly. Well, you're in it. So be friendly. Other people say, I, I can never hear from God. I just never will show up to the prayer line every week and ask for prayer and open your Bible and begin there and say, God, open my ears that I may hear your word. Maybe the Lord's simply saying to you this year, just trust me. 
Trust me with all your heart. Which, by the way, is the hardest thing to do. Whoever got that as a prophetic word, just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Next person that says that to me. Because think about it, all of your heart. I mean, I can trust him with a quarter, a half, three quarters, but there's even 5% of me that wants to control the outcome. Am I right or am I right? And everyone, spirit of lying, just come out right now. Everyone. You really do want to control just a, a smidge, an itchy, witchy little bit. You do. And you can say, I trust him with all my heart. And then God asks you to do something and you really don't trust him. I don't know what it is God's speaking to you about, but I know this. He's inviting you to be a part of the story. And the only way that you can be a part of the story of God's grace is you come with a heart of faith. Say, God, I don't understand, but I receive and I believe, and I will contend from victory, not for victory. Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. We pray that you have been blessed by today's message. Please follow us on our social media platforms and visit our website, numa.church.